Sinatra, a Mistrobin Hazarta. A day to fear now. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hello, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely. I'm Rias Hall. So, um, Rias, since all we've been able to do since we live in Seattle is stay indoors, do our jobs from home, and watch movies, what have you seen lately? I have seen (laughs) so much lately. You would be amazed. I probably would. <laughs> I saw a documentary called Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini. Ooh. I really liked it. It was a lot about his personal life and his family and his wife and his kids and grandkids. And it was also about his career. But a lot of this Tom Savini documentaries I've seen have focused only on the career and not mm-hmm. on who he actually his life. is. Yeah. yeah. So I really enjoyed that. It was very sweet. Um I have watched Motel Hell a couple of times because it's just been on when I turned on the TV. Um, let's see, what else? Max oh. just realized he could push his way into the damn room because he knows I'm podcasting. Oh, he's come to meow at us. <laughs> yes. Hi, kitty. <laughs> um, oh, I watched that crazy, crazy, crazy Tiger King documentary. I've been hearing the strangest. I, I just watching that even from like the periphery on the internet is kind of amazing. It was not, we didn't intend to binge watch it, but it's one <laughs> of those documentaries where at the end of every, or like about three quarters of the way through the episode, they're like, and here's this other completely unbelievable and crazy thing that happened. You'll learn about it in the next episode. And I'm like, you're like, I have to learn about that now. <laughs> oh, it's, it is fascinating and crazy. And uh, they don't show any, they only, sh- they don't show hardly any animal abuse. Well, good. So it's pretty safe to watch. There was something that upset me, but it was not an animal being killed. It was a baby animal being taken from its mom. Oh, and there's a part where a guy shoots himself on, in the head. Yeesh. But he's not on camera. So he walked over, he was bragging about how this gun wouldn't work if it didn't have a cartridge in it. Mm-hmm. And so he walks over underneath the camera so you can't see him. It's like a security camera. And you just see the guy that he's talking to just go, oh my god, after the gunshot. Aww. So there's that. That's a little traumatizing to some yeah. people. It did not traumatize some me people. so much that Monty had to kind of remind me that it happened. I'd forgotten. <laughs> but other than that, I had a guy that I was dating from New Jersey and and he watched uh, Taxi Driver with me and he told me at the end of the movie that he was he was kind of upset with how much I'd laughed at the film. Oh yeah. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> like sadly that did not traumatize me. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else exciting? Cuz I've got oh, a big old pile tons myself. Of other stuff. Um if you would really like to cry loudly and for a long time, 
I would suggest watching I Am Big Bird. Oh. Which is a great, great documentary. Yeah. And really, yeah, I really liked it. It's perfectly fine to watch with the kids. Oh. Nothing bad happens to Big Bird that much. I'm pretty sure he was at the last time I went to Emerald City Comic Con. I think he was there, the puppeteer. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. It anyway, have been a while ago at this point. Anyway, he passed on recently. Yeah. But they talk a lot about how he, the person that's doing Big Bird now and how he's trained with him and how difficult it is to puppeteer that thing. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Well, and plus you just have to be in such a strange position. Right. You have so. to stand up with your arm held straight up over your head for hours at a time. You've got a string, like a little thing that your pinky operates that moves his eye. Then there's a TV monitor strapped to their chest. Damn. And then they have to hold the script. <laughs> you know, like you do. Yeah. So, it's, it, yeah, it's really fascinating. It's a good documentary. In the non-documentary stuff I've watched, I finally watched uh, John Wick 3, which was highly enjoyable. I know. It's really fast. It's just and an excuse to trot out different kinds of crazy assassins. And I know. isn't that all I want in a movie sometimes? Yes, I it is. Lived, I lived for Angelica Houston in that movie. Oh, she's Dear great. God, she oh, was she terrifying. Was just as badass old broad. Oh, I loved it so much. Um, I, I had seen some uh, Jen's yeah. documentary corner. I watched uh, Maplethorpe look at the pictures. Um, Ooh, it was actually I love really these well. Pictures. They're so beautiful. They are, and it was really interesting because you know it kind of inspired me to talk to Jim about it a little bit because you know I remember when his the the really famous um, showing where he was just getting lambasted by the press and they were yeah. you know calling it pornography and and I remember I was only in like mid high school at that time and I remember even though. You know, even as like the small town girl, you know, the the themes of it were, you know, very, very sexual. But I remember oh, yeah. I think I remember even then thinking that, you know, no one was being hurt by these pictures. They were no. all consenting adults like the idea. And the thing is, it's, you know, it's around around the same vein of time when they were trying to control the music industry and they were trying to control art and they were trying to right. do everything they were, pornographic. They were very concerned with obscenity yes. back in the day. And Robert Mapplethorpe's giant photos of dicks were not as yes. popular as they might be later in his life. <laughs> but it was a very... Um, it both uh, talked a lot about his life, his relationships, um, a lot of, uh, you know, very famous now artists... That, you know, they were like, yeah, they, we were living in squalor in these places oh, yeah. that, you know, one of the person, one of the people like, yeah, I just checked the price on the place that we had bought for like $40,000 or less it's from than that. Mi it's millions now. And it's just, yeah, it's just like yeah. money, money falling everywhere. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it just reminds me that, that we've been through additionally conservative periods in our past where they've tried to stamp everything down. And oh, yeah. Um, well, they'll, you know, there'll be more and there'll be less and we'll get there. But it was it was a beautiful, beautifully done documentary that that had a wonderful, you know, uh, talk with a lot of the people in his life. 
Um, another documentary that I saw was The Scream Queen, My Nightmares on Elm Street, which was talking about I've heard the, that's really good. It is fantastic. And I actually got to talk to Mark Patton because he was doing, as they were doing this documentary, he was doing a tour of a lot of the horror conventions and was actually at last year's Crypticon. And, um, you know, I, I was talking with him about... Um, I think I went to his, I think I was at his panels with, with you, wasn't I? Um, actually, I don't, I don't think I, I'm kind of sad because I don't think I went to his panel. I just went, um, I just talked to him at his, at his booth. Yeah. Come back, uh, come back to the five and dime Jimmy Dean Mm. as the movie. Cause I remember, you know, it's a movie that I remembered renting as a really young teenager and, and just falling in love with it. And I was really sad because you couldn't find it anywhere. And he was like, oh, it actually just came out on a Blu-ray. And talking with him about that, that it had just been a, a, a movie that I had, a, I had really loved for a long time. And he was just the sweetest man. And one of the things I really appreciated about the documentary is it doesn't, it doesn't deitize him in any way. It doesn't get, it talks very honestly about how he felt things went with his career and how he felt that the movie, in a lot of ways, just sh- shut his career down because it was 1984, 85 at a time when... You know, nobody was out in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And, and, and there was a lot of blame, um, even though there was so much subtext, as I use my air quotes, <laughs> of, of yeah, gayness in the movie. And the director very deliberately threw him under the bus a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Going, well, I've, I've heard about, yeah. Yeah. And so he actually gets a p- chance to talk to him. And there's two different old white cis you know, males that are like, well, you know, you've really just got to let this go. You know, I think, you know, I think you're just holding on to this too long. And it's like, you don't understand what it's like not to be at the top of the pack. Like, you don't understand (laughs) how being young and gay at that point in time was so damning that it brought everything he was doing to just a fucking screeching halt. And, but anyway, it, 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 it's really honest about everything that happens without being really maudlin or, you know, romanticizing him in a way that is in, you know, unrealistic. It's just, it's probably one of the most balanced and, and wonderfully done documentaries I've seen that kind of deals with a subject like that. Because I think it's really hard if you're really, you know, if you're one of the people that's putting together this documentary, not to make yourself look a little bit better. But um, I highly recommend it. And I think it gives you a a real wonderful appreciation for the film if you had written it off as like a lesser film in the series. Um, revisited uh, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which... Oh, the movie? Yeah! Which is still a lot of fun and in a lot of ways is kind of... Oh, Bianca. She wanted to say hello. She is She's in full stuffy mode she looks like yeah she's gross she's getting she's going to the groomer soon <laughs> she she does she looks like something out of a jim henson film yeah she's more muppet than dog at this point <laughs> um but yeah i i really found that the old buffy this vampire slayer movie has actually to me aged better than like the first season of buffy the vampire slayer or the tv show oh yeah the movie's a lot of fun i haven't watched it recently but we wa- i've seen it a lot yeah um watched it's funny because i 
I was listening a lot to um, Switchblade Sisters, which is interviewing a lot of um, women producers, directors, right. actors. And I uh, read uh, an interview with, um, not with Mary Heron, uh, the, uh, who directed American Psycho. Is it Heron? Um, I think so, yeah. But they were, it was her and her, like, directing partner and writing partner. And they had just done a movie called Charlie Says. Because there's a whole bunch of Charlie Manson movies and documentaries that came out. There are many. There are. But it was was a big anniversary um, last year. Um, I think it was the 50th anniversary of it happening. And there was a movie that came out called Charlie Says. um, And it had um, the doctor, Doctor Who. I can't. Matt Smith, yeah, yeah, I know. Playing Matt Charlie, Smith who, and he he no, did Matt a, Smith. It couldn't have been Matt Smith. It must have been the the other dog. No, oh no, it was Matt Smith. Because there's a really good movie called um, Lost River, where Matt yeah. Smith is the and he he kind of pulls out that same kind of um, evil ugliness. Mm. In both in both of those roles, and he really manages to portray a meanness. But one of the things in Charlie says is it focuses a lot on the women, and there was a really good uh, documentary called I think Manson's Women that yeah. I saw like I've six months it. ago. Yeah, and you know I think a lot of the time it just writes off the women. Um, be focusing prime, excuse me, focusing primarily on Charlie because he was you know kind of the orchestrator of a lot of things um but you kind of you know i don't know i think there was just so many there were so many things that set up that happening of being just that period of history you know how lost a lot of those girls were in a period where oh yeah you know it's just societally it was a very difficult time to be yeah there was a societal upheaval yeah and it just you know primed him in a strange way to to do what he did. Um, And while, yes, there are just far too many documentaries about the Manson murders, um, seeing things that take the focus a little bit off of Charlie, I kind of appreciated. I didn't think it was a fantastic movie, but everybody, everybody did a really good job with this. The the women actors all did a really interesting job. Um, And the other documentary, the documentary that I'd seen on it was also really good. Um, Things that I saw that weren't, kind of in prep for this episode which still kinds of kind of terrifies me because i had to turn a bunch of things off because we decided to do what what are we calling it pandemics and uh i just had plagues and pestilence i don't plagues remember and it having, a, pandemics I don't remember it having and, a title and <laughs> uh because in the vein for the coronavirus covid19 um and there was some stuff that i was watching that I found it just a bit too upsetting, and I had to turn yeah. it off. And I was like, "A bunch of these movies, I'm going to have to just go from memory." Um. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, we should have done movies that are set outside, so that we would have some relief by watching no, movies that are set outside. Beautiful, which is a is a wonderful idea for our Maybe next we'll do one because we're super podcast. we're super going to long for for movie horror yeah, movies set in the wilderness. Watch a lot of movies set outside. I want to see. Oh, oh, speaking of that, and, and partially partially because of you, because I know you watched it recently, uh, they just did a Blu-ray release of Leave Her to Heaven. Speaking I know. Speaking of You know, they just getting... did a Criterion release of All I About bought it. Eve. Uh, oh, I of All I About Eve. three copies oh. of that movie. But oh, yeah, Leave Her to, to Heaven, heaven is an amazing Eve. movie. I love it Which, so much. Which, those, 
those gorgeous panoramic vistas and everything's technicolor and gorgeous. And I really enjoy watching powerful, cruel women. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean... Like dominatrixes? Well, no, but like, <laughs> um, is it is it Ellen? Is that her name in Leave Her to Heaven? I think so. Does that sound right? Um, but anyway, Jean Tierney's character, that she's so driven. I mean, it's and I, I saw a bunch of comparisons when I was looking at other um, write-ups and criticisms about, or not criticisms, but critiques of Leave Her to Heaven, which it talked a lot about Gone Girl. And then... Um, oh, sure, other, yeah. And there was another movie that I thought of, and it's completely going to leave my head now because we're recording right now. And it only helped to have it remembered last night when I was right. thinking about there it. There are lots of movies like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. About women but that are a little bit that, messed up. Well, and also I kind of, <laughs> when I, I, I remember I always kind of, it's it was one of my uh, five <clears throat> movies that made me. I was at uh, 51 Birch Street, yeah. where she was a woman who who is judged as being bitchy and awful because she just didn't fit in the mold mm-hmm. of the time. And and Leave Her to Heaven is definitely far, far past it. It wasn't that oh, she yeah. just didn't fit in her time. She just wanted whatever the fuck she wanted. And she was literally to like, she was literally willing to douse herself in gas and light herself a flame if it would set everybody else on fire too. Yeah, she um, was completely obsessed with yeah. having... I mean, and there was some stuff in that movie that was crap. Like, the yeah. moment they get out to the lake house alone and she finally gets time with her husband, he's like, I invited my whole family. I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> yeah. The, there was a, yeah, there was a couple things you kind of have to overlook just for the time or that are just plot yeah. devices. But it is, it is beautiful. And she's just this crazy driven woman that's gorgeous. And then, you know, having... um uh, the most beautiful Any... man on on the planet, Vincent Price. <laughs> oh man, I forgot Vincent <laughs> show up, Price. Is in show that. up at the beginning, at the end, just to be absolutely looming and, and gorgeous. Um, but it was just God, it was just a fucking blast to watch, and it's really interesting to see a noir story told in the daylight and in full color, but still uh-huh. have all of those all of those moments that you met hit with it. Yeah. Um, Kind of a mistake. Um, well, no, I really liked it, but uh, The Invisible Man was a really well done, fun movie. With, and and I know you felt it was more of a thriller than a horror. Yeah, I felt um, it was more of a thriller than a horror movie. It. I'm, I'm really comfortable with there being room in horror for things that have a more sure. thriller bent because I really enjoy them. Um, stressed me out a whole bunch. Um, and also watch Lock and Key, which has some of those kind yeah. of same... Can can we maybe have some rich people that don't live in a big, ugly concrete box? <laughs> no. Uh, no, that's what everybody longs for when you get a lot of I money. I guess so, because, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those big, ugly concrete with... houses like they have in those movies, I cannot stand yeah. them. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of like... That was like the stuff I've watched kind of a lot of stuff. Oh, and I started watching Dexter, which I just finished season one, and I'd always resisted watching it. I watched the first part of season one, and I just did not have any interest in it. I am literally only watching it because I have it on in the background while I'm working. Um, um, yeah. I think, I think if I were 
strictly just sitting and watching it, I don't think I'd enjoy it that much. Um, I do love the Miami setting. Um, I love the Cuban music. Like, at every single turn, you have awesome sure. <laughs> Cuban music. Um, I I still am not, like, 100% on board, and it, it kind of annoys me for a lot of the problems that I thought I wasn't going to like about it. Um, it is kind of bad people doing bad things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I like it, but I, I like it, but it's kind of... Everybody who's tried it's to okay sell me to on like it. It's okay to like things that are problematic. It's okay. Well, it's not even that. It's just... It's not as, like, I'd rather, if I wanted to watch somebody who was deliciously doing terrible things, I'd watch Hannibal. Um, sure. I'd like, I like that more than, than Dexter. I guess, yeah, I guess I just. Yeah, it's an aesthetic. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, so for, uh, I had horror plagues and epidemics and, and all of that. So what do you have? What, what kind of. Um, I've got a lot of Last Man on Earth films, which uh. are not really plague films, but they're films that happen after the plague. So, uh, The Omega Man, The Last Man on Earth. Um, I only saw that for the first I, time really recently, and it's a fun watch. Which one? Oh, Last, Last Man, Man on, on Earth. Earth? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Vincent Price one? It's a delight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very fun. Yeah. I have that, um, the Scream Factory editions. I've got the, the volume one, two, and three. And so cool. I'm ever so slowly working my way through all of Vincent Price's stuff. Uh, let's see. What else have I got? What do you have? Um, I had, because um, I kind of just tried to stay with kind of epidemics is kind of what I did. Um, but I did do, okay. um, and I, I figured there was going to be a little room for ebb and flow on how either of us decided to take it. Right. Um, we did watch a, uh, 28 Days Later, because I haven't seen it in a good decade. Um, and I liked the presentation of it being like a rage virus. Yeah. Um, and it was still a lot of fun. Um, no, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I didn't remember it being like that hyper washed out. Um, the, the the stylized filming of yeah. it. Um, and I don't I remember like it, that. I didn't like the look of that movie. It looked too much like yeah. it was filmed on a handheld mm-hmm. phone camera. And I don't remember that annoying me <laughs> as much as when I watched it last time. I think I thought it was like, ooh, interesting. Like, well, the first when it first time came out, it, it was one of the early films on that was shot that way. Way. So yeah. we didn't have a lot to compare it to. Now we're like, I've seen that everywhere. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they, they get to bear the cross of. Uh, everybody else doing the same thing. Another one that I really liked um, that made me makes me really want to go and read the book is I watched Blindness, um, which is kind oh, of, again, more... a good on... book. I have not seen the movie. The movie, I mean, it's interesting. It's got... Um... Oh, my goodness. <sighs> the redhead um, that was also in The Hunger Games. Because we te- Tecla and I just watched the yeah, entire yeah, series yeah. of The Hunger Games. Mean. Um, Julianne Moore, um, and the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> whose name I also can't remember. Um, that was the Mark one Ruffalo I actually had. Is to, the name you're looking Mark for? Mark Ruffalo. Yes, Julianne the Incredible Moore Hulk. and Mark Ruffalo. Mark not Ruffalo, the Incredible Hulk, and that lady from the Hunger Games. <laughs> and also, Julianne Moore's an amazingly good actress. She's been in a ton of she things. Is. And you remember the Hunger Games? 
Because I just watched the entire series with Tekla. <laughs> That's totally fine. I'm just, that, I'm just mocking that, you because I've been trapped at home too long with no one to mock. <laughs> isn't that so funny, though? I, I com- was completely laughing because Tekla asked me to watch the Hunger Games series. And this is a little girl who, like, even, like, well, she was in kindergarten. She wouldn't listen to How the Grinch Stole Christmas because she found, because they had an old recording uh, and, and she found it too scary. And now she's watching the Hunger Games. She's growing up. Anyway, um, but blindness is the one that I had to turn off because as they abandon, they've abandoned them in this hospital, all the people that have gone blind because it's so mm-hmm. virulent um, and catchy that they just they just shove them off into this institution and just and just leave them there. And like um, she only gets in as a sighted person because she lies and says that she's also lost her vision. Um, and basically it just becomes a Lord of the Flies mentality because they're not being given enough food feces and and trash and disgustingness is just overrunning everything because it's right it's just a ton of of blind people and it just goes horribly horribly wrong and it just became so stressful that i ended up turning it off yeah i've i've had that situation with a couple things you're like oh yeah it's okay I'll just, well you should yeah. watch bird box because at the end of bird box they find a school full of blind people and they're the only people the monsters can't get I know. <laughs> so, so watch that some was, happy blind people at the end of that movie. Yeah, sad blind people trapped in a hospital. <laughs> Which I did really enjoy that when I watched it. Um, another one that isn't quite as well known um, was "It Comes at Night," um, which is also I did kind not of a- like that one. And let me tell you why. Sure, I don't like. I'm not really into person versus person horror. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, there's something... That movie is about the, the arguments between all the people trapped in the house and not about them, whatever the monster might be. Yeah. It definitely was missold um, when it came out because you really expected... Yeah. It was, you know, it, it was that... Um, you know, it's funny because I've seen a bunch of memes on online lately because everybody's trapped in their homes. And there is this sickness out there that people can catch. And talking about how everybody's going to turn on each other and everybody's going to because every movie presents that that we're all going to turn into monsters that we have to walking dead it's everything that walking dead is is Mm -hmm. humans will turn into monsters and everybody was laughing that all of these artists are finding ways to share their art online oh yeah (laughs) and like you know neil gaiman just gave lavar burton sole permission because he was looking for non um for things that he could read to people that he didn't have to have any kind of agreement. And Neil Gaiman gave him just flat permission to um, to read aloud any of his stories or books. And so LeVar Burton has started reading. Sorry. He, oh, no, no worries. Uh, LeVar Burton has started um, doing another reading series where he's reading to people. And he's reading a lot of Neil Gaiman's. Uh, books because he just gave him permission because he's like in this time we need we need you reading us stories yeah and um oh man why can't i remember roger's names you know jean-luc picard that dude yes yeah patrick stewart yeah he's been reading like shakespeare Shakespeare sonnets sonnets every day which has been lovely yeah but that was i mean that was a definite downside of it comes at night is it is about more about being frightened of your fellow man than anything else but I, I thought it was an interesting story yeah and that's not a downside from it i mean there's lots of people that like it mm-hmm. there's, it's not really a downside it's just the thing i didn't enjoy about it just wasn't jam 
Not my jam. <laughs> so tell me some more of your movies, because I know you're going to come up with stuff that I even probably haven't ever heard of. Well, I was thinking about things that were pretty obvious, like uh, the uh, South American film Wreck, which in English was remade as Quarantine. Yeah. And that's basically, there's something spreading. These people go into an apartment building with a fire department team, and then they find out there's something that is spreading through the building. Yeah. And God, it's so it's good. turning people into monsters, not physically, mm -hmm. but like zombies. And yeah. they're just going crazy and attacking people. And it's really good and really scary. And then the sequel... Record does kind of the insidious which insidious stole in essence because yeah. it kind of tells like starts kind of you know a third of the way into the story and you're kind of getting a background of what's happening at other times well, yeah record two starts at exactly the minute that record one ends mm -hmm. so it kind of yeah so it fits together really well like a single movie but nobody yeah. wants to spend that much time in an apartment building full of zombies <laughs> not all at yeah. once and then Third completely goes in a completely different direction. It's like but a comedy, when, isn't it? I didn't watch it. It really is. And then it also does that um, uh, Leslie um, uh, Vernon, um, my goodness, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, where it stops being a, um, what do you call it? A First person. Yeah. The found footage. Right. It stops being it a found stops footage. It stops being found becomes, footage and, and becomes a, a yeah. real movie. But it's and it's ridiculous, and then they kind of wrap up their whole mythology with the fourth one, which is decent. I mean, it's a good whole, um, but it's it's a lot of fun. The first and second one are just fantastic. Though. Yeah. Um, um, rewatch Twelve Monkeys. Um, that was on my list, but I haven't yeah, watched it recently. I watched it um probably like five months ago, and I can't remember. I think maybe we did a time travel. Anyway, um, and but part of it is 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 fear of of a a, a virulent um, yeah kind of plague that wipes through the yeah. world. So and a it's lot of going that. back in time and trying to stop that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Twelve Monkeys is a good one if you want movies about plagues, which we thought maybe we did, but we may have been mistaken. I'm <laughs> um, a real favorite of mine that. Um, takes a different kind of take on how something could be virulently passed on is Pontypool. And I know I bring up Pontypool all the time. I have still not I, been able to see that. I'm going to watch it. I keep, it's, yeah, I know. It's so much fun. I really recommend it. it. And it's, it's so neat on, on how it's passed. So. Yeah. I've been wanting just, to watch that for a long time. It's the, it's language that spreads it, mm -hmm. isn't it? And it's even less of hearing and more of how you understand things mm. because, um, I think there is a a note in it of if you don't know the language at all, like it doesn't get passed on to you. It, it like understanding has to be a part of it, and how it processes in your brain. Yeah, I read a short story once about this gang, and they would just walk up to people and start talking, and the people would just go berserk and try to kill them. So <laughs> anyway, they they can't figure out why the street gang is get able to incite people to such crazy acts of violence. Uh -huh. And it turns out that they have a linguistic thing where the way that they space their words or the way that they tone them, there's something just enough off that it drives people crazy. It's a really oh, that's good story. Nuts. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so 
Off to you. What's your one uh, of your films? What have I got? I have um, The Mask of the Red Death. Speaking of Vincent Price, as we were earlier. Speaking of people wanting to continue to do their parties and... Yep. And, and <laughs> Basically, a bunch of rich people who are also jerks have a big party while there's a plague growing around the land. And they're all like, we're better than this plague. We're going to set some jesters on fire or whatever. <laughs> They set some people on fire. You know, it's one of those parties. You go to a Vincent Price party, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, so they're all happy and ridiculously decadent while Rome burns around them. And then finally, at midnight, the mask of the re- the Red Death comes in and everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> Because Poe, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> I thought I would kind of keep it, like, tight for stuff that I really liked. So I only have, like, two more left. Yeah. Because I, li- I kind of like it where we keep our lists a little short and just talk a little bit more sure. about the movies rather than... Because I know you like you just sure. like having just the list I've only got, of like, three left. One um, of them the is actually was... about a virus. One of them is about people quarantined, so... Which is? Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, 10 Cloverfield Lane isn't necessarily about a plague or a virus, but it is about someone that is so terrified of the outside world that they have this bunker. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good. It is a fantastic movie. People, I think, were upset because they were expecting it to be full of giant monsters because it was a Cloverfield sequel. Mm -hmm. And actually, John Goodman is is pretty much the scariest thing in the movie. You see a monster for a minute, but John Goodman is so scary in that. It's great. You know, I was I was thinking about that like a couple of years ago because I had a couple of actors that I'm like, even if they're doing a movie that I don't think is going to be my jam, like there are there I have a small list of, of movies like I used to feel that way about Gene Hackman because he used to just do the movies that he did were always interesting. Oh, yeah. And well great. done. And um, John Goodman is another one of those actors that. Yeah, I think John just, Goodman can do anything. He could be funny. He can be silly and slapstick. And he right, can he be, can be absolutely lovable. Terrifying. He can be terrifying. He's can be a cyclops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one movie that I really wish because I, I heard an um an interview recently with the director uh was children of men and i i wish i liked that movie I, i've seen it like five or six times see and i've only seen it once when it first came out and i wasn't powerfully drawn either way on it i, yeah. I don't I remember either liking or disliking it right the too basics, terribly much yeah and I'm familiar with the story. It just I don't remember. Yeah, the specifics but maybe of it, the people but... listening aren't. Oh, oh, go ahead, please. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no one has been able. There's been an, a sterility epidemic. No one has been able to have a child. the The youngest person in the world is 25 years old, and then there's a woman who ends up being pregnant, and they're trying to yep. get her to safety. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Now, what do you like about that movie? See, that was the thing is I, 
it was one that I wish I'd been able to rewatch because I haven't seen it since it mm. came out, which was kind of a while ago. And I don't remember anything about it. It's 2006. But, you know, I, I noped out of blindness and I remembered Children of Men being particularly dire. And I, I was like, I just couldn't do it. I was I, just like, nope. <laughs> I wasn't into it because it's really... Even though the the center point of the movie is a woman, it's really a dude movie. Yeah. It is a guy movie with combat and car chases and yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was not for me. I felt like the female character was a sketch of a character at best. And yeah. I hate movies that define women by their ability to have children. To reproduce. And that movie yeah. kind of does. Oh, yeah. And like, like the most blatant yeah. way possible. So I didn't really dig it. <laughs> really, really on the nose. So on the nose. <laughs> it did, yeah. Um, and another one that was kind of on my list that I wanted to rewatch that I was not, you know, over the moon for, but I, I was feeling, I've been feeling lately it's time for a revisit is The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, um, The Girl with All the Gifts is so good. Mm-hmm. And, and... I think when I just watched it, I think I was watching it while doing other things. And I, I just wanted yeah. to give it a lot more attention than I did the first time. So, Yeah, that's kind of a zombie movie. So it took mm-hmm. me a long time to get around to watching it. Yeah. But it was really... It kind of reminded me of the later Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead type movies. Mm-hmm. Where there's the zombies are starting very slowly to become civilized. Evolve in a small way. To evolve yeah. and yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I like I like the you know, all of a sudden it skiers somewhere else um towards the end of the movie because it's like you're looking at them as these monsters that you have to control. And then all of a sudden it takes its own path. And it's just a kind of a different telling of the story. So I thought that was really interesting. And my last movie is just one that, again, is kind of in the Pontypool vein of uh, being this infection that's being passed in a different way. And it's a movie called The Signal. And it's, it has three different oh, yeah, directors. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's kind of done as in, like, kind of in an anthology where it's like, but it's yeah, just but it kind, kind of, of this interweaving. Yeah. And it's, it's really... but. I just really, really liked it. It was. It came out at the same time as a lot of the mumblecore movies and the mumblegore movies, mm-hmm. um, where everything's kind of talky, um, and it's got a lot of the same actors that you see in a lot of those other films. Uh, but it just didn't get a whole lot of play, um, but it was still really, really interesting and a great story. And almost a little bit of a romance, too. Um, so every once in a while, if, I, if I'm given the opportunity to... to uh, bring up something that not everybody has seen. I always like to throw. It's one of the ones that I like to throw yeah. into the mix. Yeah, um, one of my favorite movies about a about a like a plague is a movie called mm-hmm. Perfect Sense, and it stars Eva Green and Ewan McGregor. <gasps> you talked to me about that one. Oh, there is a plague they... going over the world, and what happens is you become really you lose your mind for a little while, and you become incredibly hungry. I think it's it's you get incredibly hungry and then you lose one of your senses. And it starts off with people losing their hearing and then their sense of taste and then eventually and eventually they're they they go blind until no one has anything left. And it's a beautiful movie and it's not really a horror movie. It's almost kind of a love story. Mhm. 
It, it's really gorgeous. I, I love it a lot, but it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it would fit into the horror genre. I don't care. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Do you have anything else, or did that top out your three that you had left? Uh, pretty much. I've got uh, Rabid, just because I like Cronenberg, but eh. That reminds me, I I watched another film, and I guess I didn't put it in my thing. It was... Gosh darn it. Well, and of course it about? I is it time. Bunny Lake is Missing? Well, it's, no, it's got David Cronenberg in it as a podcaster. Huh. Let me see if I can. I would listen to David Cronenberg's podcast. <laughs> he is yes. so normal and nice in person. It's a little creepy. <laughs> You're like, shouldn't you just be twisted and horrifying? <laughs> He was doing it's, a uh, Q&A and no one asked the, the, and the only question, and I was like convinced someone was going to stand up and say, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and no one did. It was actually a very calm and civilized Q&A where nobody said anything too stupid. I, uh, it was a movie called Disappearance at Clifton Hill, which uh, is a, a neighborhood that's by um, uh, the Niagara Falls. And it's it's really a dilapidated area that has a lot of like little fun houses and shitty hotels, and it's done as a uh, kind of a modern noir, a neo noir. And uh, this woman uh, is with her family as a kid, and she sees this boy who has a bandage over one of his eyes. It looks like one of his eyes is missing, mm-hmm. and this couple like as and and she spots him and um uh. All of a sudden, this couple comes up in a car and beats him and stuffs him into the trunk and takes off. And then she wanders back to her family where they were waiting to take this family picture. And she's very obviously stunned. And Uh they're like, smile for the camera, smile for the camera. And then it flashes forward like 20 years um, to where she's just made this total fuck up of her life. And she and her sister get back together because her mom just passed. And um there it has the hotel that her mom owned in the shitty part of Niagara Falls. And um, she starts um, doing some investigating because nobody ever believed her that she saw this boy get taken. And uh, David Cronenberg is a character in this film where he plays this podcaster who tells everybody to like and rate and review on, yeah. on iTunes, <laughs> which is sure funny um and also he just looks so much older like to me it's like i i forget that he's been aging for the last 25 years yeah we're used to we're used to seeing um younger david cronenberg young young 35 to 40 year old david cronenberg and he's not anymore um it's it's a very slow burn and i wouldn't recommend it to everybody but it's um it's gritty and gross and and takes part in the fifth filthy underbelly of you know what actually happened and sure you know yeah. how how ugly was the child's family and and all of this foolishness and and it kind of tosses everything in its ear at the end of the film but if that sort of thing appeals heartily recommend it sure. <laughs> i just completely forgot to rate it on my uh my letterbox diary of of stuff i've watched so so there there's one last thing that i've seen this week so all right well, I think anyway, that's, we've covered everything we were going to cover. We have, and it was nice to see your face, if even through uh, through know. the interwebs. I haven't seen anybody. I know this in is weeks. this is our first. 
Yeah. So we're doing our first uh, attempt of recording on both of our ends and, and doing our recording through Skype, which I'm glad we did because there have been times where it's been hard to get together because I moved to the other side of the city and right. this gives us a lot more freedom with recording. Yeah. So, Yeah, I think this All is right. good. I hope that it works well and the sound quality comes out, but hopefully... We'll make it work. Okay. <laughs> All right. All well, right. you have a great night. <laughs> you too. I'm going to stop recording now. 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 Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtlpodcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>